Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. Many times in scripture it says, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Praise God. Amen. It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. To worship and praise the Lord. Let's get our Bibles and get right to the word of the Lord. We're going to the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to be walking through this passage. We've been here before, but I feel like we need to go back again. It's a powerful verse, powerful scriptures here in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Amen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Notice the, the capitalization and the lack of it. You have not received the spirit, little s, of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit, capital S, speaking of God, of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. The manifestation of the sons of God. Heavenly Father, we love you today and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for your power and your presence. Lord, we thank you, God, for your spirit, Lord, that indwells us. Lord, I pray, God, that we would continue to to maintain and make sure that we are overflowing and we are full of your spirit. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about sonship, a predestinated purpose. Sonship, a predestinated purpose. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm predestinated. How about you? God bless you. You can be seated. Do you remember the revival in Samaria in Acts chapter 8 when God sent Philip to a city called Samaria and people were being baptized and signs and wonders were happening before them. Devils were being cast out. People were being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with the evidence of other tongues. 
that's, that's the place where John and, and Peter showed up a little bit later and laid hands on them that they received the Holy Ghost. And there was one Simon, the sorcerer, who was watching this, but he failed to understand the power, the true understanding of the power of the Spirit. For he said in Acts chapter 8 and verse 18, when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. He offered them money. Can I tell you today that you cannot get spiritual things with just throwing money at it? Matter of fact, there's a lot of things in the natural you can't get by just simply throwing money at it. But he said, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with you because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. There are things that life throws us that we feel like, well, <clears throat> it ought to help me. I can help myself. This ought to help me or I can help myself become a better person. I'm going to be a better person, so I'm going to do that by throwing money at it, by throwing education at it. I'm going to do that by throwing um, hard work at it. But I want to tell you today, we cannot become the sons of God in sonship, growing more mature and closer to God by just simply throwing money at it. We can't do it by man's uh, ways of thinking. Amen. Perhaps it has gotten to the place <clears throat> that we attempt to do things in the kingdom in a man's mentality. But remember what the Lord promised in Acts chapter, eight, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. You shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. If we want miraculous growth in our life, it's going to take power beyond what we have. If we want a God-sized revival, then we need an overwhelming power of the Holy Ghost moving in our life. Many a times we still try to reach out on our own and do things to better ourselves when God said, not without me. Not without me. Amen. We need, don't need less of His Spirit we need more of His Spirit. Can I tell you, we don't need less church. We need more church. We don't need less prayer. We need more prayer. We need more of engagement with the power and presence of God. Amen. I want to tell you, I know that I'm preaching to apostolics tonight, but the Holy Spirit indwelling is more than just an apostolic doctrine that has to do with the agency of salvation, repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Amen. It is more than just simply singing, I got it. I got it. It's a great song. I enjoy singing it. Uh, but it's more than that. The operation of the Spirit is more than goosebumps and doodads and, and all that we uh, sometimes uh, think about the Holy Ghost. Amen. But we are filled with the Spirit to become more like Christ. More like Christ. 
In John chapter 1 and verse 29, let's go there. John 1 and 29. The next day, John seeing Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, and he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending, descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou seest the Spirit descending and remaining. I want you to do your finger like that with me. Descending and remaining. It says, The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this was what? The Son of God. The sign of sonship is the Spirit descending and remaining. Not descending and departing, but descending and remaining. It's about being full of the Holy Spirit and staying full of the Holy Spirit in our life that gives to us the sign or the witness of sonship. Because the Lord spoke to John and said, The one you see that the Spirit descends and remains is the one who is sonship or is the son. That's the witness descending and remaining to move down upon and to abide upon. Amen. We find that the power to become sons is written and recorded John 1 and verse 12. John 1 and 12. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become. Everybody say become. Become speaks of a process. To become the sons of God, even to him that believe on his name. Sonship, when we say that, we're talking about our identity in the family of God. The term the sons of God speaks of that inheritance, that identity. We all have the same father. We all wear the same name. We all have the same inheritance. Aren't you thankful for that? It is our kingdom identity and our kingdom inheritance to become the sons of God. Galatians 3 and 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. So tonight when I say sonship, don't think like the world and think, well, that throws all the daughters out. Okay? Okay, pastor didn't say daughtership, so I'm left out. Don't think like that. Think like the Bible records as, of this as being what is sonship. It's to be like Christ. It's to be like him. Amen. 
We cannot confuse the, all the natural things that we're are trying to figure out Scripture. Let's see it through the eye of the Spirit. There's neither male nor female, but we are all God's children, and God wants us to be like Christ. 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. We are the sons of God. So we are in this process, brothers and sisters. We are in this process. Call it sanctification. Call it spiritual maturity. Becoming more like Christ. That is the journey you are on. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Doesn't matter how long I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I am on a journey. And sometimes I feel like I got it and I'm doing good. And sometimes I don't. Anybody with me? Sometimes do you feel like you, you know, I'm on track, I'm doing well, everything's going good. And that could be Sunday. And on Monday it's like all, all the bottom breaks out and you realize how just... I ain't got it. Anybody feel that way? We are in good company. For Paul said in Romans 7, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. I try and I mess up. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God in the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. That's what we're talking about. This constantly, I'm trying, but I step back. I do three steps forward and two steps back or whatever the number would be. And so he says, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing into captivity the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. I'm trying to grow, but I feel like a wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul is speaking here of this constant battle, this constant fight that we're trying to do what is right. We're trying to be more like Christ, and we decide that we got it, and then we don't have it. We wind up acting one way when we think we should act another way. We know that the law of God is there. We know what the Word of God says. We've read about Christ. We've heard preaching about Christ. We've prayed and we've seen revelations of where we should be. And the decision is to do good. The intentions are good. The problem is it doesn't always work out that way. The question is, what sphere of life are we operating in? Are we operating in the sphere or the dominion of flesh? Or are we going to operate in the sphere and the dominion of the Holy Spirit? That's the question. Amen. 
In Romans chapter 7 and 25, Paul identifies this struggle in serving the law of sin. How can I overcome this this, this tug of war within my own mind. How can I overcome it? Amen. Well, Paul begins the next chapter by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It is like a 180 degree turn from chapter 7's conclusion and chapter 8's beginning. Can I tell you, there is an answer. There is help on the way. He begins by saying in verse 5, look at what Paul says in in chapter 8 in verse 5. He said, for they that are after. Somebody say after. That means facing towards. They that are after the flesh do mine or hold a high view are set in one's mind toward, to honor, amen. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Where we set our focus is where we will go. But they that are after are facing the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded. This is habitually having a mindset that determines how we interpret and how we respond to situations. Either I see things through the spiritual mindset or I'll see it through a carnal mindset. And if I look through things with a carnal mindset, the end result is death. There is no life, there is no no growth there, but to be spiritually minded... To have a mindset that is, that is this saying, this is my habit. Somebody say, this is my habit. How do I, am I going to be like Christ? I either have a habit of being fleshly minded or I'll have a habit of being spiritually minded and the end result is life in peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is hostile against God and is not subject, that means it cannot submit to the law of God and neither indeed it can be. It is where our passion, our focus is that determines our sonship growth. If our passion is to satisfy our flesh, then the flesh will win every time. But if our mindset is to pursue after the Spirit, then we can bank on the fact that we will overcome the flesh and walk towards to extend our look towards, to extend our reach toward. I've come to ask us tonight, what are we facing? Where's our direction? Lot faced Sodom and what happened to him? Abraham decided to take the other direction and what happened to him? It matters what we put our focus on, what we put our face towards. Amen, because here's the ultimate reality. The flesh cannot please God. We cannot manifest the nature of sonship in our flesh no matter how hard we try or how holy we think we are. It's a flesh versus the spirit battle. If the things of the flesh dominate us, failure is imminent. What makes the difference? What helps us overcome this old flesh? 
the Spirit of God. Let's set our face toward the Spirit. Let's pick up in Romans 8 and verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Somebody tell me that next word. Come on, say it loud. If. What is if? A condition. If. There is a condition. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Conditionally, if. If we do what? <clears throat> Amen. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we find that the, the fact is that I can overcome the flesh if the Holy Spirit is in me. Why do I need the Holy Ghost? Why do I need Because I've got a flesh that I need to overcome. I love how the Amplified Bible reads of this, these, these verses. But you're not living the life of the flesh. You're living the life of the Spirit if the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, directs and controls you. But if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. He is not truly a child of Christ. That's pretty plain. Mr. Barclay wrote of, of this verse he's in his uh, interpretation or paraphrase, but you are not dominated by the pursuits which fascinate our sinful human nature. You are dominated by the Spirit. Why is our world in such a mess today? Is because the flesh, self, dominates. And there is no need for self-control. There is no need for uh, discipline. There is no need for responsibility because the flesh says, give me, give me, craving, got to have it. Right? He went on to say, Mr. Barkley did, if anyone does not possess the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. This is the answer to the flesh dilemma in chapter 7. Sonship does not operate in the sphere of flesh. The flesh is not in control, but the Holy Spirit must be in control. You know what the flesh how the flesh dominates and when the flesh is, is in control? It is part of man that seeks, that says, I want my desires, my direction. The flesh seeks to control and dominate. It is self-focusing. It seeks to follow and create its own laws, to set its own control, to live for the present and the here and now. It adopts values from below and not above. It resists and rebels against the law and influence of God. Amen. It cannot please God. The flesh cannot please God. Amen. It is under the grip of an evil nature that we got from Adam. But in the spirit, we're alive in Christ. Amen. We're alive and eternity is our view, not present world view, but right now we see things beyond the here and now and we see tomorrow. Amen. The spirit dominated life seeks the will of God above all. 
The spirit-dominated life is led by God, pleases God, obeys God. Amen. We still live in this flesh, but it does not have to dominate us. That sonship, conforming to the image of Christ. If you look at verse 9, it says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, okay, let's just go a little bit of side, side road just for a minute. We're, uh, we're going to pull a brother Jack. Brother Jack never went one way, the same direction, anytime. I, 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 learned how, I learned how all the back roads from Brother Jack. Amen. Okay, so we're going to just go a little side of this, this lesson. Notice it says the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. So, do I have the Spirit of God or do I have the Spirit of Christ? Hmm. Are they one and the same? How about it? Is there a spirit that is from the, does the Holy Spirit have a spirit? And Jesus Christ have a spirit? And the Father have a spirit? Thank you. But I, I want to I go down this road just a little bit with you tonight because, uh, and uh, this lesson may, I'm just now getting to my feet, I'm feeling my help. Uh, this lesson may not end tonight. We may do it again next Tuesday, but God is a spirit. How many know that's John 14 or John 4 and 24? God is a spirit, right? Amen. Amen. John 3 and 5 says that we are born again of water and of the spirit, okay? <clears throat> Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, by one spirit, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, it says that we are changed in the image of Christ from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. So I've got the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and now the spirit of the Lord. Hmm. Anybody keeping records how many that is? <clears throat> Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he said, there's one body, one spirit. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 14 and 26, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. Jesus said in Luke 24, uh, 49, Behold, I send the promise of the Father. So who's sending it? And what is it? And how many spirits are there? Is the Father sending it or is Jesus sending it? Think. John 14, uh, he also, Jesus said in verse 17 and 18, he referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter as the comforter that would come and abide uh, uh, in us. He's with, he was with them, and now he said he's going to abide in you. He is with you, and he's going to abide in you. That is in verse uh, 17. The very next verse, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you fatherless or an orphan, but I will come to you. Well, is the comforter coming, or is Jesus coming? The nature of the Spirit is such 
that Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3 and 8 that the wind bloweth where it listeth, and, and who hears the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. You cannot see the wind, but you can see what the wind is moving and what the wind is doing. You can see the results of the wind coming by. We cannot see the Spirit of God, but we can see what He's doing in our life. All right, I'm coming back from that little detour. But before I get back on the main road, let me just tell you, there's one spirit. There's one spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of the Lord, the seven spirits of Revelation, all are one spirit. There's only one God, one spirit. Oh my, how we could preach on that. I wish I had some apostolics to say amen right here. There's one spirit. When you get the spirit of Christ, you get the spirit of God. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get the spirit of God. They're all the same. It's one spirit. I need God. Well, I need his spirit inside of me. He said, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Dwell in you. Now, if any man have the spirit of the Christ, he's none of his. Let's just hone in on the word dwell for a moment. That is the Greek word which means to occupy a house, to reside, to cohabit, to inhabit as one's abode. When, when Christ comes into our house, other things have to leave. When Christ comes in, Demons have to go. I wish you'd hear me tonight because you don't have any room in your house for demons when you're full of the Holy Ghost. But neither do we have any room in our house when we're, we're for the flesh and for carnality and for things that are not pleasing to God. I want to get so full of the Lord it just runs everything that is not like Christ out out of my mind, out of my life, out of my family, out of my home. I, I want him to go. The more you get of Christ coming in and dwelling in you, the less there is room for doubt and fear and worry and dread and unbelief and heartache and pain. Amen. Because he is the one that brings life. The flesh brings death, but he brings life. Oh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise the name of Jesus. One spirit occupies, resides, and dwells in us. Paul said it like this to the church at Corinth. He said, you are the temple of God, and that the spirit of God dwelleth, tabernacles, resides, takes up residence. You know why our world is facing... Has, has so much issues today is because to whatever degree our culture and our nation had an understanding of God, it took up some space. But when we remove God, we give room for other things to come. I don't say this lightly. I'm not saying it about a particular. Can I just tell you, both of our political parties needs a Holy Ghost revival. But I was sitting in 2012 watching the Democrat convention 
because I had heard what they were going to do. And in 2012, the Democrat Party took God completely out of anywhere in their platform. Not only did they take God out of the platform, they also removed the support of Israel. You know what happened is that there became a void in the world that wasn't just about the, the Democratic Party. We were telling God, okay, you got more. We're, we're, we need more room. You need to go. We, we, need, we need more room here. And what comes in? When a demon leaves a place and if it isn't filled, Jesus said, he goes and brings seven more of his buddies to come back. Amen. When we begin to remove any semblance of God out of our government, out of our life, and, and out of our world, there's something going to take the void. So I need to be full of the Holy Ghost. I need to be full. Come in. Reside. Dwell. Tabernacle. Fill me up, O oh Lord, with your spirit today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need the fruit of the spirit filling me up. I need the gifts of the Spirit uh, filling me up. Take residence, O oh glory be to God. Let's continue in Romans 8, verse 14. What does it say? Let's read the verse together. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons in the kingdom are led by the Spirit. They follow the direction of the Spirit. They submit to the leading of the Spirit. The word led here in the Greek means to bring, to direct a movement or an object, to guide, to lead, uh, 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 to, to, to spend time with. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. I want him directing me. I want him directing me. Got a decision to make. I, I want him directing but what kind of car to buy, what kind of house to buy, what kind of job to get, and where, where to live and what to do. Holy Spirit, direct us today. Amen. The sons of God, believers will deliberately obey family principles, kingdom principles, when they are filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. I have said it. We have said it. Sister Gill and I have said it. That we do not have the gift of counseling. Thank you, Lord. I just don't have the gift. Of, I'll, 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 I'll help and, and do whatever I can. But if, in, in my particular gifting, if I can't help you with this, I'm going to have to send you somebody else that has a, a gift of counseling. Amen. But there's a lot of people that we have talked to. Worked with in times past, places we pastored hither and yon. That if they'd come to an altar and got renewed in the Holy Ghost, their situation would have been resolved. But instead, persisting to go on their own way, trying to be led by the flesh and do the will of God by the flesh. I want to tell you, our, our forefathers got it right. And I don't want to ever minimize the, the statement that some people simply need to just pray through. 
Some people just simply, I realize that there may need help after that, but that ought to be the jumping off point. That ought to be the launching pad. That ought to be the start. That ought to be the go. And that is I'm going to go to an altar and I'm going to pray through and then I'll get up and I'll look at my situation and I'm going to ask that spirit that's moving inside of me, give me direction, Lord. Show me what to do in the name of Jesus. If you're led by the Spirit, you're a son of God. That's sonship. Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Somebody say, I like that. I like that. You have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of acceptance. The spirit of reception. Whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. I wish that five, six, seven, ten, twenty people would right now just simply cry, Abba Father, my Father, my Daddy, Abba Father, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you did not give me a spirit of fear, but you've gave me a spirit that is of power and of love and a sound mind. In 2023, that verse is still true. Hallelujah. This, this verse 15 of Romans 8 carries for us one of the most beautiful depictions and allegories in Scripture. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are loved by the Heavenly Father. Loved. God loves you. Paul proclaims that as sons of God, we have received this Spirit, big S, Spirit of adoption. That speaks of the operation of what the Holy Spirit does unto us. He brings adoption. The new birth brings the believer into a new relationship with God. Along with that new relationship comes the blessings of family and the privileges of family and the privileges of, 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 of inheritance. The word adoption in the Greek is derived from two Greek words, and the first one means a son, and the second one means a, a placing. So when he says we have been adopted, he says, you, I have placed you in my family. I call you a son. I call you a son because I place you here. Amen. This concept originated, the concept of adoption originated. I know you may have heard this before, but let me, let me share with you again. The concept of adoption originated in Roman culture. The adopted person, the, adopt, the one that was adopted, lost all rights in his own family, but gained all rights of his new family. Woo! Devil, you don't have a right to my mind because I've been adopted. You do not have a right to my voice because I'm been, I've been adopted. My old family ties are now broken. The ties, that, that flesh was dominating, that sin was dominating. But now, praise be to God, I can cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, do you know in Roman culture, a slave could not say, or rather in Hebrew culture, in Hebrew culture, a slave could not call his master Abba 
or father, only a child of that home, adopted or birthed by natural, would say, Abba, Father. Oh, we praise you, Lord. It is said that Abba is what is noticed early on in the child's, you know, mama, daddy, mama, Abba, Abba. Let's learn it early. Let's keep it late. Abba, Father. Amen. Abba, Father. Galatians 4 and 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Children had no rights. Sons did. That we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because you are sons, God has set forth what? The spirit of his son in your hearts. He has set forth that same inclination. When you are walking in Christ's steps, you get the inclination of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the mindset of Christ, that now I am going to look at what he did. Who taught us to turn to the Father? Where did we learn that it was the Father's will was the most important thing? It was the one that said in his flesh, not my will, but thy will be done. The Spirit of the Son into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Here's that term again. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. I'm an heir of Christ. Praise be to God. Let's, let's move on. I want to go to Romans 8, 19. If we are sons... If we are filled with his spirit, why so much pain? If I'm to be like Christ, why am I, surely he's Abba Father, he's going to take care of me. Why am I suffering? It's interesting how, how the Apostle Paul flips right into this topic in the same vein of sonship. He says, in verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. This world's waiting on me and you. It's waiting on the church to come to the place where they are manifested in a way that God designs. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Somebody say there's a change coming. What the world is looking for is the change that is happening in us now. 
and the change that is happening in the church over the period of the church age because there's going to come a day where the lamb is going to lay down with the lion and the children are going to play with the serpent. Why? Because the creation that is now groaning is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what else is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? Amen. The rapture is waiting. The return of Christ is waiting for that day. I know it talks about the cup of iniquity and all that kind of stuff overflowing, but he's also waiting for the church to come to the place of manifestation. 22, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travail in in pain together unto now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. Creation is not the only thing growing. We're groaning, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Oh, praise be to God. I'll be glad when one of these days you have no itises, no bursitis no arthritis, or any of that other family mess. But that's what's happening. Our bodies are groaning right now, groaning. Mm -hmm. I remember a message that Brother Don Johnson preached years ago, and it has stuck with me. He said, I'll be glad. His title was, I'll be glad when groaning is past. Hallelujah. But I got to tell you, amen, the world, the church is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. <clears throat> then he says in verse 26. Oh, let me jump back. Let me start. Go back to verse 24, please. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he hope for it? Hope is in things you can't see. Anybody got a hope of a better future in Christ? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience. I hate that word. Anybody besides me hate that word? I got one honest hand in this whole congregation. There's, you know, we wait. For it. Then he says, <laughs> Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So you see, I'm waiting for the body to be redeemed. I'm ready for the the, 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 the manifestation of the sons of God for the cre- creation to be redeemed. But while I'm waiting, I'm not just wi- uh, uh, spinning my, my thumbs and, and twiddling my thumbs in hope. I am also have the agent of the Holy Spirit that can come alongside me and have some groanings of its own. The groaning, the groaning, and it helps my infirmities. 
Verse 27, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When I don't know what the will of God is, the Spirit inside of me does. Why not pray? Why not intercede? Why not seek the Lord? Amen. And let the Spirit do some groanings within us. Have you ever experienced that before? Have you ever seen that before where you had, you had some groanings going on and it was more that you knew what to say or what to do and it, the Holy Spirit steps in and all of a sudden he takes over in our life. The Spirit of God takes over and there is a groaning that comes out. It may come out in tongues. It may come out in just simple groans, but it's not just you. It is the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, don't squelch that. Don't stop that. Let the Spirit come. You want to get rid of some, some groaning of this world? Then pray in the Holy Ghost. And let that groaning come out in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then we come to this wonderful, glorious verse. We like so well. Romans 8, 28. Can you, can you quote that with me? Can you quote that if... Is it some, isn't that one of your favorite verses, one of mine? And we know all things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Can we shout on that a little bit? Can we thank God a little bit about that? But many times we look at that verse and we want to just simply isolate it. But it's connected to the groanings above and it's connected to the verses below. So we want to isolate it. You know, it's a powerful passage. I know that all things work together for good. I know that it does. It's what the Word says. But can we grasp the full depth of the working together for our good without knowing what comes next? Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed in the image of his son that, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 29 is the purpose of verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good. Why? According to his purpose. His purpose is sonship. His purpose is to take me and make me more like Christ. Not make my life easier. Not make it so that I got everything all right and all is rosy. But rather the purpose is to make me more like Christ. You know what? Marriage is meant to make us more like Christ. Church life is to make us more like Christ. That is his purpose. God's purpose for your life and for my life is so that I become more and more like him every day. Not merely some kind of what would Jesus do statement, but Lord, less of me and more of you. All right. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This passage has been taken so far out of context in some doctrinal stance that we miss sometimes the 
I believe, what is the true meaning behind. Look closely. Predestination here is not salvation. Predestination is not salvation, but God's purpose of sonship. Foreknowing here does not mean preordained or pre-election of an individual, but rather a preordained purpose for the individual to become like Christ. God, for those that walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh, you, my brother, my sister, are preordained by God, predestined by God to be like Christ. The more I walk in his spirit, the more I can become like Christ because he predestinated it that way. Amen. You and I just don't sit back and twiddle our thumbs and, 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 and live in the flesh and expect to be like Christ. No, no. For whom he did foreknow. Mr. Vincent in his Greek word study says, foreknow does not mean foreordain. It signifies... Uh, a divine omniscience to pre-knowing, not pre-election. Pre-knowing, not pre-election. For whom he foreknew. Now, I'm going I'm to get real deep with you. This is not even in the Greek, but it's, it's very deep. You might want to get your pen and paper out. I want to give you the definition of foreknow. It comes from two words. For and know. It means to know a four. <laughs> That's real deep. I'm telling you, where are your pen and papers? Who did he foreknew? He knows ahead of time. Aren't you glad that God knows uh, some stuff ahead of time? He is not limited to time, so he foreknows. But he also predestinated us. The word predestinate comes from two words. Pre and destined. Isn't that good? Yep. Predestined. For no predestined. To determine in advance. His purpose is not connected to fate, luck, or chance. But he is a, has a predetermined plan for your life and for my life to sonship. He has a predetermined everything you're going through. Everything that we are facing and gone through thus far is for this purpose. Lord, I want to be more like you. You pray, I want to be more like Christ. Then expect his predetermined plan to come into action. It may not be easy. Go back to the verses ahead or before this. And it was about groaning. It was about interceding. And it may not be easy. But we know that all things work. All things work for me to become more like Christ. That's the predestined purpose of every child of God. For he says, we are to be conformed to the image of his son. We are to be conformed. We are to be similar than the Greek word here means to make of like form with another. It is, it is that mirror image. It is looking like him. It is that, that, that mirror image that I want to be like him. 
the word conformed, when you study this word conformed, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce this incredibly long Greek word for conform, but I can show you another scripture where it is found. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Paul said that great text where he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable. Same word, unto his death. So when you look at that in, in the in the. The, the Greek verb tense, it is literally mean being conformed. I am being conformed. When you go back to the book of Romans, you will find that being conformed is a process, not a one-time event. I'm sorry that there is not a doctrine of pre-election that is connected to this verse or any other verses in Scripture, but this is the verse that we ought to grab a hold of and say, I may not be there yet. I may be living in chapter 7 and my flesh is rocking my world. But I know if I can get focused and filled with the Spirit, I know what I have a destiny. And that is that I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. His predestinated purpose is this. God has looked ahead and has determined in advance that everyone who has his spirit, everyone who is led by that spirit, will be, not possibly, will be, shall be. That's his plan. Hallelujah. Conformed into the image. God is working all things for our good so that we can be the image of Christ. In this world. The stated purpose of predestination is a self-process. Those who continue to allow the Holy Spirit to form in them will form them in the image of Christ. Paul said it like this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sonship. We can call it sanctification. We can talk about it being discipleship. The biblical construct is sonship, that we are the children of God. We are heirs of the Lord. We have that great promise. And let me tell you the ultimate end. The ultimate end of sonship is found in 1 John 3 and 2. 1 John 3 and 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, somebody say now. now. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Don't know what it will be like. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be. <laughs> Hallelujah, we shall be like him. Hallelujah, there's coming a day you're going to stand before him and whatever that looks like in the, in, in the spirit world, you'll be like him. We'll be like him. We'll be like him. We'll be like him. Well, that's the goal, isn't it? I want to be like him here so I can be like him there. Woo! 
I said, I want to be like him here so I can be like him there. Stand to your feet and begin to worship the King of kings and your heavenly Father that has chosen a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, and that is complete sonship, to be like Christ, to grow in maturity, to grow in his likeness and image, to be a mirror image on this world. Hallelujah. To show this world that there is a Christ that loves, to show this world that there is a Christ that cares, to show our neighbors who Jesus is in us, Christ in us. Hallelujah. Church, come to the altar. Let's come, let's come and pray and seek the Lord for a moment here right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't give up where you are. I'm not perfect. Oh, no. The apostle Paul said, I fight and wrestle with this thing called flesh. But if I will follow the Spirit, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. Oh, the devil will tell you, you messed up. The devil will tell you, you you just done wrong. The devil will tell you what your past was. But why don't you tell him what your future is? My future is to be like Christ. Hallelujah. And he's made a way for me to be like Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I don't do what I used to do because I want to be like Christ. I don't say words I used to say because I want to be like Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sonship. Remember the old kid's song we used to sing? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars. Well, I don't know how long, you know, he's going to have to work a lifetime on this old bald-headed preacher. I won't be like him. Not there yet. But I'm on the plan. I've got the purpose. And I've got the word of my heavenly father that says, I predetermined it. I predestinated you. I predestinated you. I predestined not you for you to go down, not for you to be broken and busted and like a life that is in shambles, but he predestinated us to be like Christ, to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you today. Lord, I praise you today. Hallelujah. I want to be like you, O oh Lord. I want to be like you, O oh Lord. Jesus, in this place. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.